Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Melanie Davis. And I'm Ireland Meacham. And once again, it's just us in the studio. <laughs> woo! Woo! <laughs> um, what's going on with you? We'll start with you. Oh, I am exhausted. I just finished my last final right before I got here. Yes. So I spent all day today looking at a computer screen, so my, my eyes are kind of hurting. But other than that, I'm doing good. How are you? That's awesome. I... Um, I'm kind of manic because of the news, actually. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff swirling and mm-hmm. whirling. And um, and then, you know, of course, wrapping the year up and trying to figure all that stuff out and getting ready for Hippie Christmas. <laughs> which, and what's Hippie Christmas? Hippie Christmas is when the students move out and leave all of their good stuff out. So <laughs> Free stuff. Yay. It's free stuff. Um, when I came to town, I was very poor, um, unlike now when I'm just rather poor and <laughs> and I didn't have anything to put together a, a um an apartment with you mm-hmm. know it was my daughter and I and a couple of trash bags of clothes and stuff and we happened to move here about the right time mm-hmm. and we had a, a three-bedroom apartment decked out uh oh, wow after hippie Christmas it was amazing that's awesome yeah I we were to- even like we, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I need to check it out. I need to yeah. <laughs> get some uh, free But stuff. nobody else does. So if you're yeah. listening, uh, stay in this weekend. Um, <laughs> if you're listening, forget we said all of what we any just said. Any of that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, we were even like, I always want a red velvet sofa, right? <laughs> and so I was talking to my daughter about it. She's like, oh, red velvet sofa. Mm-hmm. And the next day, there was a red velvet sofa sitting out with a nice big free sign on it. It's a hippie Christmas miracle. It's a hippie Christmas miracle. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited to see what we can do. Uh, uh, and what happens is I, I usually donate a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. uh, to people or um, uh, places that might need it. Um, but it's nice to rescue what's going to get thrown out or, right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy about that. No, it it is pretty wasteful. I always see, you know, giant dumpsters filled with, like, brand new furniture that's only been used for a year. And people yeah. just throw it out because they don't want to have to go to the effort to, like, bring it to goodwill or something right which is annoying but good news for for hippie christmas observers yeah um and you know and and i actually i was at uh one place and the the people that got there right before us um they had like a they had a system i mean it was worked out yeah they were they were a well-oiled machine (laughs) and they got a couple of laptops so that was oh wow like they Somebody threw out their laptops. I mean, it was plural. Plural. Wow. Like, I, I mean, I knew the price was coming down on those, but no, <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's <laughs> it for me. What's going on in LGBTQ news? Well, from the Associated Press, there is a story that's been getting a lot of media attention. Um, 
A Michigan college student says pro-Trump agitators recruited him to falsely claim he was raped by Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, then published the smear without his permission. Hunter Kelly, a 21-year-old gay Trump supporter, said conservative activists Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman sought to use him for the despicable scheme they concocted to blunt Buttigieg's momentum and help the president's re-election bid. The incident may offer a glimpse into disinformation tactics powered by fake social media accounts and partisan news sites that could become a staple of the 2020 campaign. Wool denied Kelly's accusation, saying the student had reached out to him. Berkman said on Twitter he believes Kelly's initial account of the assault was, quote, accurate and true. Invoking the powerful hashtag MeToo movement against a pioneering gay candidate, the allegation appeared Sunday in a post on the publishing platform Medium under Kelly's name. The Post accused the 37-year-old South Bend, Indiana mayor of sexually assaulting him in February without providing any details, saying Kelly would share his story to the nation in, in the coming weeks. It said that Kelly was having suicidal thoughts after making the difficult decision to come forward. Right-leaning news sites published the claim as reporters from the other outlets spent Monday investigating, but the allegation fell apart Monday night when Kelly issued a statement saying that he was never assaulted and had been set up. He said Tuesday he wanted to help President Donald Trump but ended up, quote, roped into a Jesse Smollett-esque situation by Wohl and Berkman, who have spread conspiracies and unverified or false allegations against other public figures. Notably, the two staged a news conference last year in which they claimed a woman um, would accuse special counsel Robert Mueller of sexual harassment. The woman never showed up and has said she was tricked by Wool into participating in the plot, which has drawn scrutiny from the FBI. Wool's website touts his expertise in, quote, media manipulation and notes he has been banned from Twitter for spreading false information. The Daily Beast reported Monday that Wool and Berkman recruited at least one other male Trump supporter for the anti-Buttigieg hoax. In his statement, Kelly said that he began communicating with Wool, 21, on Instagram a month ago about how he could help Trump get the um, get reelected. He said that Wool asked him to take part in a task force set up by Trump, the Trump administration, to derail Buttigieg, whose standing in the race has dramatically risen in recent weeks. Kelly said that Wool and Berkman arranged for him to fly from Michigan to Baltimore on Sunday and then took him to Berkman's apartment in Arlington, Virginia. Kelly said he was under the impression he would spend a few days helping research Buttigieg's background and trying to find dirt that might trip him up. But after he arrived, Kelly said, Wool showed him the Medium post under Kelly's name and claimed it was just a draft. Kelly said he was unsure whether he wanted to move forward before he went to bed. At 4.30 a.m., he said that he sent... Wool, a message on the encrypted messaging app Signal saying that he was incredibly uncomfortable and not on board with the plan. But by the time he got out of bed at 11 a.m., Kelly said the post had been published and was spreading across the internet with the help of fake Twitter and Gmail accounts that Wool had created under Kelly's name. Kelly said he later learned about the post, um, learned that the post had been published Sunday without his permission. Kelly said that he felt sick and didn't want to be involved, but that Wool and Berkman told him it was too late to turn back. Instead, he said they pressured him to sign a, a statement detailing false allegations that Buttigieg raped him at the Mayflower Hotel in Washington, which he was to deliver at a news conference. Kelly said that he signed the statement after resisting for 45 minutes and being told that leaving Berkman's res- residence was not an option. He said that he ultimately left the apartment Monday with the help of relatives who live in the area and picked him up. By then, Kelly said he was getting messages from relatives and friends who had been inundated with inquiries about uh, from the news media about the allegation. 
Kelly, a student at Ferris State University in Big Rapids, Michigan, apologized Tuesday and indicated he was considering legal action against Wool and Berkman. He said, quote, I will not stand around idly and get dragged through the mud for two people to continue committing heinous acts in the name of protecting our country. They are the real danger to our country. Wool denied any wrongdoing Tuesday. He said that Kelly reached out to him and Berkman after... They saw information about Buttigieg on social media and that Kelly was, quote, very passionate about his claims. He said that Kelly wrote the medium piece himself and was pressured into recanting after his family was inundated with questions from the media. Wool said in an interview, quote, it's not surprising. We understand this is very tough for a young person and we wish him the best. Trump 2020 campaign spokesperson, spokeswoman, uh, Aaron Perrine said the organization the organization had nothing to do with the incident and we condemn fake allegations whether they are against candidates for president or nominees for the Supreme Court. It's unclear whether any law enforcement agency will investigate whether the sc- the scheme was criminal. Spokespeople for the Michigan Attorney General's office and Arlington Police Department said no complaint had been filed as of Tuesday. Medium removed the post Monday night. After an appearance in New York hours earlier on Monday, Buttigieg shrugged off the situation. He said, quote, I'm sure it's not the first time, first time somebody is going to make something up about me. It's not going to throw us. Politics can be ugly sometimes, but you have to face that when you're in presidential politics. <sighs> My heart's <laughs> racing. Yeah. This, this, um, for all the talk of fake news, for all the talk of, you know, um, um, smear campaigns mm-hmm. for all the talk of everything <laughs> in this yeah. is is what we've been hearing from uh the Trump side of things mm-hmm. and uh it, it's so disturbing yeah. to hear this i mean I, I i don't remember a time when um things like this would have been okay right and we don't know if you know these these two guys that got him to you know participate in this uh we don't know if they're like in direct contact with the administration or the re-election campaign at all um yeah but but does it matter right i mean they're part of a machine at this point that's true that's true and um and it's just a uh but yeah it's i mean it's still um, participating in the in the idea of of mm-hmm. wanting to get him reelected and wanting to you know s- put others' names you know in the gutter in order for it to make it to, in order to make it happen you know right it's well, just and he was trying to he yeah. was trying to help out with the campaign right and in good faith and like mm-hmm. trying to do it the right way according right. to him and um and and then to be preyed upon mm-hmm. um. That that and kidnapping on top of it because yeah. I think when you're not allowed to leave some place, yeah, it's, it's called, called kidnapping. kidnapping. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, that that's really um, that's mm-hmm. a disturbing story. Yeah, and that's been going around in the media all this week, and there's been several updates on that. But that's the latest on the issue. So, um, oh. what else do we have? Well, something a little bit uh, kinder, um, a little bit more favorable. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from CNN, a group of teenagers decided not to stand by and watch as the United Methodist Church. Ooh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I thought I saw lights go out. I thought there was a lightning thunder. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're still in the air. Uh, not to stand by and le- watch as the United Methodist Church voted in favor of anti-LGBT measures. The confirmation class of 2019 was all set to finally become full members of their church, the First United Methodist Church in Omaha, Nebraska. 
after a year of learning about their faith and exploring their beliefs, but when it came time to join, the eight teens decided against it. The group wrote in a statement, We want to be clear that while we love our congregation, we believe that the United Methodist policies on LGBTQ+, clergy, and same-sex marriage are immoral. We are concerned that if we join this time, we will be sending a message that we approve of this decision. The teens objected to a February vote that reinforced the church's stance against ordaining gay clergy and performing same-sex marriages. Uh, delegate, delegates of the denomination's general conference voted 438 to 384 in favor of the policies allowing several days of dramatic testimony and prayer. Um, the group's statement said, Defend, uh, depending on how this church responds to the general conference action, we will decide at a later time whether or not to become officially confirmed. But until then, we will continue to stand up against the unjust actions that the denomination is taking. The February decision left uh, United Methodists divided, as many pastors and believers had pushed for inclusion for years. The teenage group's church in Omaha describes itself as a welcoming and inclusive community. In, social media, in a social media post accompanying the teen statement, the Omaha church called the decision historic and thanked the young group for leading the way for inclusion for all God's beloved children. After the February vote, uh, a reverend with the church wrote to our LGBTQ plus friends, families uh, present at FUMC and beyond, you're beautiful, worthy, appreciated. We see you, we hear you, we love you, and while I am sorry that you had to hear this awful news once again from the UMC, it does not change your place in this community. Other leaders across the country spoke out at the time, reassuring their communities of their commitment to inclusion. Following the conference, Tim Brewster, a senior pastor with the First United Methodist Church in Fort Worth, Texas, called the experience painful. He wrote, It was painful for those of us who are for full inclusion of all our brothers and sisters, including LGBTQ people. It was painful for those who are more traditional, but who believe in the concept of a big tent that allows the church to reach as many people as possible in as many places as possible. The United or the Human Rights Campaign uh, Foundation's acting senior vice president, Jay Brown, wrote shortly after the vote, Despite this decision, it's clear that LGBTQ Methodists and allies will continue to push for inclusion, not in spite of their faith, but because of it. Well, that's good. That's, that's <laughs> sweet. And it shows, yeah. you know, the, the cultural shift is happening very yeah. rapidly. Mm -hmm. That's what it, you know, screams to me is that, you know, the younger generation believes in a different set of ideals than what's being, you know. Right. Um, Thrust upon out. them. Yeah. Yeah. From, mm -hmm. from the back of the, uh, the pew, the back pews. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and that's, that's it. And, and, um. And I think it's going to change. That was really a disturbing thing for me to hear from yeah. the Methodist Church because would, I'm, I was raised uh, Orthodox, mm -hmm. and uh, they're, I guess, by definition, fairly conservative. But um, we went to this Methodist Church because it was closer, and uh, you know the pastor and his wife, who's also a Methodist uh, minister, uh, were uh, just the sweetest, most caring loving people i mm -hmm. didn't really get any vibes off of uh them about you know like uh, a lot of places would preach you know hellfire and brimstone right right and they they were not at all about that mm -hmm. and um 
uh, and we we didn't stay at the church for too many years, but it just felt very welcoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know people who go to the Methodist church here, and they feel very welcomed, and and it is inclusive, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, kudos to the church for yeah. the church individual churches for standing up where mm-hmm. uh, where the the overarching. Um, church wasn't going to. Yeah, and it, it seems like the the teens that made that statement, um, you know, felt like they would be supported by the church that they were a part of, which is yeah. nice um, and, you know, reassuring. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of the people that said they wouldn't get married until marriage was equal. <laughs> right. Uh, for all. And, uh, you know, thank you, allies. <laughs> so I think we're going to take our first music break for the day.
Welcome back to Blooming Out. That was Get Set, Go Kid by artist Soak off the album Grimtown. Ah, oh, that was that good. Was lovely. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's, it's got a nice ethereal feel mm-hmm. to it. Very groovy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, away from the ethereal and yeah. into the real. Mm-hmm. Another news story from NBC News. A lesbian couple says they received a homophobic message after a relative created an online fu- fundraiser to alleviate the skyrocketing costs of their daughter's cancer treatments. Tiffany and Albury Schaefer of Cincinnati were informed on New Year's Day that their 18-month-old daughter, Callie, was diagnosed with advanced neuroblastoma, a type of cancer that develops from immature nerve cells. Nerve cells. A week later, the couple was informed that Callie was in stage 4 and in need of 18 months of chemotherapy and radiation. It's been very rough on Callie, said Aubrey Schaefer, 26. Um, we're taking it day by day. Shortly after the heartbreaking news was shared with their families, Tiffany Schaefer's sister, Lori Tate, uh, created the online fundraiser to help raise money for Callie's medical bills. After the child's diagnosis, Aubrey Schaefer said that she had to stop working three jobs so she could stay by Callie's side at Cincinnati Children's Hospital while Tiffany Schaefer works and takes care of their other child, Tyler, who is seven and on the autism spectrum. Albury Schaefer said, quote, we would have probably had to move without the money from the GoFundMe because of the rent, and we also have two car payments. It would have been so stressful to move right now. While the m- women received support from family, friends, and strangers alike, they said not everyone responded generously to their situation. The couple said a woman who goes by the name Bren Marie said, sent them a homophobic Facebook message after seeing their fundraising page. A screenshot of the message with which Tiffany Schaefer shared in a public Facebook post stated, quote, My prayers for Callie. I was going to donate $7,600 to her, but I found out her parents are lesbian. I've chosen to donate to St. Jude due to that fact. Bren Marie, who appears to have changed her name on the site or deleted her Facebook account since the incident, added, quote, Sorry, I'll still pray for her, though, but... But maybe it's God's way of getting your attention that she needs a mommy and a daddy, not two mommies. Aubrey Schaefer said that she and Tiffany Schaefer were shocked and disgusted by the comment, but did not respond to the offensive message. Aubrey Schaefer uh, said, quote, We tried not to be upset, but it was hard. I couldn't believe she reached out to us to tell us that directly. She could have just not donated and ignored the page. While the comment was a reminder for the couple that homophobia still persists, they said it was also a rem- also a reminder of the kindness of strangers and allies, many of whom were driven to donate after hearing about Bren Marie's comment. Linda and Carol Davis Walther uh, wrote on the GoFundMe page, quote, My wife and I are donating a bit to chip away at replacing that undelivered donation. We two lesbians have had several children, and we know the di- discrimination and we know the discrimination that still exists. We will also pray for Callie and her moms. Another donor, Dwayne Smith, said that Bren Marie's comment does not reflect the beliefs of all religious individuals. He wrote, quote, I donated because I am a Christian and I believe God loves all of us. Albury Schaefer said she and Tiffany Schaefer are grateful for the love, support, and prayers as Callie continues her fight. Albury Schaefer said, quote, it's been overwhelming in a good way. If there's a lesson in this, it's that we've got to continue to advocate for our children. It's all about Callie. The fundraising page created on the Schaefer's behalf has raised almost $80,000 as of Wednesday morning. Silver lining. Silver lining, yeah. There were people who came through and tried to donate to make up for that um, donation. and But it's still, you know, extremely just hurtful. Right. But, and 
Yeah. Like, I mean, you could have not said anything. Right. right? You could have not said anything like, like the, one of the moms said, like, but she chose to specifically tell them that they, she was not going to give them money because of their sexual orientation, which is, you know, they're a loving family who's trying to care for their daughter in the best way that they know how. And in a really, really rough situation Mm -hmm. where they're unsure of the future, they're unsure of their finances, they're unsure of everything. And this person is just knocking them while they're down or kicking them while they're down, you know? Yeah. It's, it's disgusting to me. And, and I've been in that situation. Um, and you know, the, the moms are in and, um, and, and I, I didn't even really think the GoFundMe or anything was like, that wasn't even a, uh, a part of it but to think that people could be um so cruel mm-hmm. i didn't experience that thankfully thankfully um but that just you know some have to have to push their agenda mm-hmm. uh at the expense of somebody else who's already going through the worst thing exactly. anyone could go through yeah. seriously um I, and and anyway but the the power of of uh strangers kindnesses mm-hmm. you know it seems thankfully that that there are more good people than bad people in that situation it's just that one bad comment really really cuts deep right mm-hmm. and and that's the thing there's so many good people out there mm-hmm. and and i love that and i anybody out there who listening who's a really really good person <laughs> thank you so much um and it does fight that, but there is that vocal minority. Yeah. And uh, we're going to actually have a, a, a news story after the break uh, about the mm-hmm. few and the vocal mm-hmm. uh, and the problems that they they make yep. for others. But, uh, no, it's, it's good to see the love out there. And yeah. it's good to see the social change mm-hmm. toward uh, a positive. Um, yeah. Because that wasn't there, you know, years ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, while it seems like a bad story, while it seems like one of those uh, horribles, uh, it it turns out to be really good. And more and more stories are coming out like that. Yeah. So, it's easy to pick on. uh, For us, we've been picked on by uh, Christian organizations for a long time. Or uh, actually, pretty much every faith has their, their sect of folk who just don't, can't accept us mm-hmm. um but in this case it was a christian uh organization or a person um and and then the methodist church you know yeah yeah uh we've been talking a lot about that today about issues with you know the conflict between religion and, right. and being queer um but it doesn't have to be that way because mm-hmm. most of the lgbt folk i know uh are people of faith yeah still yeah, there yeah, and there is a way to be a part of both groups, you know, mm-hmm. even though it seems like you're ostracized from both, but it's not true, not the case. Exactly. And I think we're going to cut it here um and go to another music break. Serious. What was time but a graveyard fly? 
go ahead and take a quick community calendar update for the week in Bloomington we have let's take a look on Friday we have the brick gallery pop-up at far center for contemporary arts 505 West 4th Street I think that is over by Rainbow Bakery that building or it's the one across the street um we also have on may 7th at 9 p.m at the bus kirk chumley the tallest man on earth 11 or 114 east kirkwood avenue the bus kirk chumley and then on may 5th i'm sorry on may 8th that's six days from now on wednesday envy's open stage Bloomington's only gender-based performance open mic at the back door, 207 South College Avenue. That is from 11 p.m. till 1 a.m. on May 8th. And that about wraps it up for the community update. You're currently listening to the song Maybe off of the album Grimtown, and that is by Soak. The album was just put out on the 30th, so three days old. And we'll be right back with Blooming Out. Stay tuned. to Blooming Out and wasn't that lovely too? I loved that song. So fun. Alright, I think I'm going to have to like, you know, buy music. Yeah, maybe. Weird. Actually spend money on music? What? <laughs> I haven't done That's that not since a thing. Like 1998. <laughs> it was since a thing at one time. Yeah. Do they even have a, like a Columbia House thing where you can just I don't know. pay a few and get many? It was really great. You That's pay It's called Spotify now. Is that what yeah. it is? <laughs> I was just saying that I've actually bought a tracks brand new. So Which is crazy. I yeah. <laughs> um I had eight tracks when I was like five. <laughs> they were still around then? Oh yeah. Well my mom's. <laughs> but 
Oh, they were good. No, they weren't. Anyway, so we have more news for you, and this is uh, uh, this affects very many people. It does. Uh, we're we're an LGBT focused news uh, program, but mm-hmm. we this this pro- this particular news story is uh, it affects actually the majority of people mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of an update from something we talked about last week right. with some current legislation. So. Yeah. So this this is dropped. Uh, the Trump administration on Thursday finalized that's today finalized a conscience rule to protect healthcare workers who refuse to perform certain services such as abortion due to religious beliefs. The HHS Office for Civil Rights issued the 440-page final rule, which offers protections for providers, health insurers, and employers that decline to provide, participate in, pay for provide coverage of or offer referrals for services that violate their religious or moral beliefs. The rule also covers healthcare staff that assist in the performance of such services, including schedulers and those who prepare rooms. The rule is meant to protect individuals and healthcare organizations in the HHS-funded programs from discriminating on the basis of religion, according to Roger Severino, director of the OCR. Finally, laws prohibiting government-funded discrimination against conscience and religious freedom will be enforced like every other civil rights law, he said. The OCR said that the rule largely reinforces current laws and regulations that protect medical providers' rights to refuse to perform certain procedures, while adding new standards that Medicare and Medicaid providers will need to follow to comply with. Under the rule, applicants for HHS funding must provide assurances and certifications that they are complying with the regulations. No new law is being made here, Severino said in a call with reporters Thursday. What is being done is the provision of enforcement tools for existing conscience and religious freedom protections in healthcare. If providers don't comply with the conscience regulations, they could lose federal funding. The OCR's Conscience and Religious Freedom Division, which the office established in 2018, will oversee uh, complaints from providers that feel that their rights have not been respected. To date, Severino said protection and enforcement of conscience and religious freedom regulations in healthcare have been, quote, inadequate. OCR said it has received 343 complaints related to alleged conscience violations during during fiscal 2018. It's evidence that there is a problem, he said. There are people here who feel that their conscience and religious freedom rights have been violated. HHS said it received more than 242,000 public comments regarding the proposed version of the conscience rule it released in 2018. At the time, the department said it was it issued the proposed rule after hearing reports of health care providers being made to perform abortion, sterilization, or euthanasia procedures despite their faith and moral objections. Senator Patty Murray, a Democrat from Washington, ranking member of the Senate Health Committee, expressed concern the new rule would undermine access care for women, people of color, and those in the LGBT community. Quote, President Donald Trump's latest harmful rule once again takes our country in entirely the wrong direction and makes it harder for people to get the care they need, this time by putting up ideological barriers for communities who already face major health care disparities, she said in a statement on Thursday. Some have questioned whether the conscience rule will add barriers to care for patients in rural areas where local hospital markets are often dominated by religious hospitals. Catholic hospitals, for example, operate under a set of directives that prohibit procedures that are, quote, intrinsically immoral, including abortion and contraception. 
Severino dismissed this concern and highlighted the benefit of religious hospitals bring, that religious hospitals bring patients. Quote, if those religious, religious institutions are not there, no one gets care in many circumstances, he said. There's benefit to allowing for a diversity of belief in healthcare providers. In very few areas of law do we require particular hospitals to do particular procedures. I'm Oof. breathing he- heavily yeah. again. Um, <clears throat> you know, this seems to be a, a, a something that they're objecting based on, you know, re- like they're they're arguing that they're they're fighting for uh, fighting against religious discrimination. And my question is, when has that ever been a problem for the people who are fighting for this? You know, it's not to make generalizations, but I feel like this is, um, you know sort of a a christian you know issue like we've been talking about today Mm -hmm. and um i feel like you know it's it's the government taking their religious well people in the government taking their religious beliefs into account and deciding what's moral for the rest of the country deciding what's right and what's wrong right which isn't their place they're supposed to be objective and it's the duty of literally in the job description of being a doctor or a medical medic like a yeah a healthcare professional um to be objective and to not you know have your personal beliefs influence your job which is to care for um someone who needs medical care you know so this really really gets me fired up well, I, and I've gone through it yeah. too. I mean, um, I back in the nineties, mm-hmm. uh, this was this was fine. You could actually just kind of like refuse service or just push it away. You know, saying, uh, "Oh, well, uh, we don't do that," or "or um, uh, we don't think you're ready for that." And it was it, it wasn't really a uh, it was a big frustration for the trans community. Yeah, uh, trying to find somebody. So you know, I was in Indianapolis. And there were uh, two people who you could go see to get, I think it was two people at the time you could go see to get uh, referrals for doctors and for um, uh, hormones. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were only a couple of endocrinologists who would provide that service. And one of them just really seriously did not know anything about trans health care, didn't know... uh, what uh, doses to give, what what ranges to look for in serum levels, really just didn't understand. Um, so the quality of healthcare that was available uh, was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's gotten much better, and there are so many more people who are are covered and getting the care that they need. Um, but then you know, things like this happen, and it's like, are we are we moving backwards in right. time? You know. And what about the moms who right. have that? little girl who needs who needs health care mm-hmm. she needs to get her chemo she needs to get these services do they have to jump through further loops trying to find some uh, a hospital that is even okay with them bringing right. a child there because you know they don't believe in same-sex marriage and here you have two mommies and so and you know uh, uh doctors I, I can't remember the name right now but they were saying that they couldn't take care of a patient because the patient's parents were same sex. Yeah. And people are suffering. People are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, you know, especially in in communities where uh like the trans community where there's a heavy reliance upon healthcare. Right. Uh to to get through. Mm-hmm. Um uh when you deny healthcare, 
you are putting people's lives at risk. And, you know, especially in, you know, <clears throat> even especially with this, the case of abortion, you yeah. know, when you deny an abortion, you are you are making sure that that person goes to seek an unsafe, you know, illegal, like under the counter um, abortion, which is severely detrimental to a lot of people's health. And, you know, if you've seen any documentaries about right. pre Roe v. Wade um, abortions, so many people die because of unsafe medical treatment. Yeah. And, you know, trying to do at home remedies, at home abortions and sort of that sort of thing. And it's scary because because these um, because these people in the government, um, mostly men, mm-hmm. uh, straight white men uh, are making these decisions. It's affecting women to literally have the choice of control over their own body, right. which is the thing that we've you know, the whole abortion debate has been talking about forever. But it's what it boils down to. People should have the right to make decisions about their own body, no matter what. And you know, it's not someone else's place because they have power over people to decide what's right and what's wrong and to push their beliefs onto people and create unsafe medical situations that are going to cause a lot of harm to a lot of people and cause deaths in right. in for women, for trans people, for, you know, for anybody, anybody. in the quilt bag. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> and people in communities of color, mm-hmm. uh, especially. Yeah. yeah. So it, the the. And, and when healthcare insurance providers and the the organizations that provide healthcare themselves right. can just blanket statement say we don't we we, we won't insure you because conscience. you're gay or yeah. because you're trans or then, whatever then it's diminished availability mm-hmm. if you live in a, a community that doesn't have uh, uh, open and accepting folk or have just very few doctors or very mm-hmm. few hospitals, then what do you have to do? Right. Where do Either you go? travel, miss work, travel, mm. you know, yeah. to different states and, you know, or what, what else are you supposed to do? There was an old, uh, the photo, I can't remember, late 60s, or early 70s of uh, a woman who had tried uh, an at-home abortion mm-hmm. and she had, she bled out mm-hmm. on her kitchen floor. It yeah. was, it's very graphic. Um, and uh, and it was used to great effect to to show people exactly what was going on, and the effects of uh, the state of mm-hmm. our system then, and and I just see it coming back again. And to what end? To yeah. appease somebody's conscience? If you don't want to take care of people, if you want to only take care, is of that moral? You know, right? Is that like morally right? You know, mm-hmm. to refuse medical service to someone who is then going to go and likely die or be you know harmed by this like well can they push it off as like well that's their choice you know is that something that they're just uh well it's not on my it's not resting on my conscience because i did the right thing but what if someone like a woman is you know pregnant and you know the the pregnancy isn't safe and it can't be carried to term and it's unsafe for the mother to carry it to term and whoever she needs to get an abortion from says no what is she supposed to do well, our state already covered that. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, so, <sighs> yeah. And, and many states do. And, 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 and again, I'm going to bring it back to the kids because mm-hmm. uh, that's near and dear to my heart. Um, there are kids who are, are trying to uh, be themselves and be the, their authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And they need health care. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have a place mm-hmm. to seek that, 
that's uh, a very major stressor. And, yeah. and those stressors lead to suicide, which is already high even in today's uh, uh, very relatively excess, uh, uh, um, kind system right. where, where they're accepted. Yeah. Uh, so how many more kids are going to have to go through that? Mm-hmm. Well, and, it, you know, it just it goes to show the whole system. Like, you know, LGBTQ plus kids are more likely to be without supportive family and um lgbtq people of color especially um are likely to be homeless or more likely to be homeless homeless or have no financial support Mm -hmm. um and you know when they're seeking medical treatment whether it's for a transition or otherwise if they can't get that insurance if they can't get people to help them there's no other option for them right it's yeah it's a death sentence you want to talk about the they, they used to talk about the uh uh, death panels and this mm-hmm. is it yeah you know so people will die because of this you right. know it's a direct effect and and that um i can't find a way to to reconcile support of uh, a, an administration mm-hmm. um that does this to its people yeah you know we're supposed to be advancing as you know right and this is not advancement no no go and go right back to mm-hmm. the uh the dark ages well yeah exactly literally a brand new one yeah i think we're going to take another music break all right see you soon <laughs> all the party did was depress me my friends were elastic in their jeans and the niagara
Welcome back to Blooming Out. That was I Was Blue Technicolor 2 from the album Grim, Grim Town by Soak. I like that one too. Lucas, you're on fire today. Every single one. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah. good. That's why he's been grinning the whole time. Yeah. He's just been, I really want you to listen to this music. It's great. <laughs> so thank you very much for this, this selection. Mm-hmm. Well, we have one more um, news story. It's a positive one for the end of the show. So And yeah. an up note. Uh, this is from Now This. Brigham Young University valedictorian Matt Easton came out during his graduation speech and was cheered for despite his school's polis- policies on homosexual behavior. He said in his speech, quote, I'm coming to, terms not cur- coming to terms not with who I thought I should be, but who the Lord has made me be. As such, I stand before my family, friends, and graduating class today to say that I am proud to be a gay son of God. Easton was speaking at Brigham Young University, which is owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, more commonly known as the Mormon Church. The 24-year-old college senior was the 2019 valedictorian of the political science department at the university. He was chosen to speak at graduation in front of approximately 10,000 people, including some family members who reportedly didn't know he was gay. He said, quote, four years ago, if it would have been impossible for me to imagine that I would come out to my entire college. It is a phenomenal feeling, and it is a victory for me in and of itself. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has historically forbidden homosexual behavior. Despite this, Easton decided graduation was his time to come out. The dean's office read and approved Easton's speech in advance. Yay! I wanted to, like, when you said that that part where you said... Um uh, I'm proud to be a gay son of God. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like fighting the urge to like throw my hands up and go, Yay! You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And, you know, I think we, we've been talking a lot about, you know, how, you know, certain sects of religion are very anti-gay and, you know, mm-hmm. but there are sects of religion that are not, you know, they're better, that are very opening and welcome, obviously. And, um, you know, uh, it's clear that his college, even though they're a religious organization, was um, accepting of him, which is amazing. And he felt comfortable enough to say that in front of the entire college, which was... And and not just religious college, but Brigham Young University <laughs> right. from the Mormon Church. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is huge. Mm-hmm. And and the last part where it, his the speech was approved by the dean's office yeah i right? love that part isn't yeah. that great so there's there's this real affirming and and you know there there's that uh show that's coming uh to iu next year i think a uh, book of mormon oh <laughs> um which is very satirical and uh, not kind to mm, the mormon yeah. church um uh and uh still maintains some sort of hilarity um <laughs> but uh my my engagements with with Mormon people in this town, because uh, we've got the you know huge church mm-hmm. over on the west side, um, has been universally lovely. Yeah, and um, I, we hear a lot of of negative things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is good to see. This is good to hear. Um, 
and you know more of it yeah yeah i'm i was glad to read that at the end there um yeah i've just i feel like you know this has been a, a pretty uh up and down sort of show uh so yeah. I, I was glad to end that with on a positive note and um yeah well and we've had you know, this time of year is really bad with legislative sessions going yeah, on and, true. and uh, especially this year where so many uh there are a few organizations pushing in so many areas uh that uh, in so many states uh legislation that is anti-lgbt mm-hmm. uh, uh oh what's her name taylor swift oh, uh, yeah, donated yeah. like 119,000 uh, or something like that to uh to fighting tennessee's like a whole slate of bad uh, anti-LGBT laws. Right. Uh, Texas has had really a horror show yeah. um, this year mm-hmm. of laws. Uh, Indiana's had their fair share of, oh, of yeah. um, missteps. And um, I, I won't count them as as, hor- <laughs> as, as horrible <laughs> as the, the as-as. Uh, horrible as uh, Tennessee and, and Texas. But it, it's going around. Yeah. And these are... I, um, I'll, I'll repeat the vocal minority thing because yeah, the few and the vocal, yeah, the few and the vocal it, it's, they are re- receding. Mm-hmm. They are. And it's clear, you know, from this article, from, you know, even the, even the disappointing one about, um, the, um, lesbian couple with a child with cancer. Um, there are still people that are good yeah. and want to help. And the majority is people that are good and, um, uh, in loving and caring and accepting. Yeah. And they see this as more as, of death rows. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to uh, bring that in, but it because it, it sounds kind of morbid. Although I'm kind of morbid, but <laughs> you know these are the death rows of a a, um, a community in crisis. Yeah, and uh, you know I can't uh, I can't celebrate you know mm-hmm. the 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 you know people going through pain, but really when you're causing others pain, <laughs> I'm I, I might have a cake. <laughs> and and put a couple candles on it when when it goes down. Yeah. So. Well, it's been a great show, Melanie. Just chatting yeah. with you. <laughs> this is fun. I know yeah. I'm not as uh, exuberant as Frankie. He's really I good. I think you're great, so. Melanie. Aw, and I think you're great too. Aw, <laughs> thanks. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thanks. It's uh, appreciate that. It's really fun, and um, and I'm really grateful for Frankie. Uh, giving me the opportunity to be here. Yeah. So thank you, Frankie, out there. It's uh, oh my. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and Justin, we hope to see you soon too, mm-hmm. um, because you know it can't live on us alone. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, it's so much pressure. Or can it? <laughs> or can it? Da, da, da. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> we are out of time, and it's been a great show. And uh, thank you to our listeners. I can't forget you all. Uh, to our volunteers, to our donors, and everyone here at WFHB who makes this show possible. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Preslaff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Our production assistant is me, Ireland Meacham. And for Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Ireland Meacham. I'm Melanie Davis. And remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from our Blooming Out family. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. 
Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHP.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is bloomingout at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. Well, how could I mind it? And what about being queer? Well, really?